Hello and welcome to Between You and Me. The A is at an Meridian podcast. You really What did you me. just say? The A and it is at What are you going on? <laughs> Please translate. Just introducing our podcast, our little, our little family-run podcast. Oh, <laughs> mom and pop podcast. That's us, mom and pop corner store podcast. That's it. That's it. So the light at the end of the tunnel tour is happening. It is. We're not. They've had several gigs by now. Yes, we're not going until the two London shows. Right at the end. Right at the end. We we. Uh, we could have gone to Hull because I looked a few days beforehand uh, and saw that there were some decent seats. I know, but available. by then we'd made other plans. We'd made other plans, yeah, unfortunately. 20 minutes away from Hull. I know, that was the worst thing. We were up we were up in the area at my daughter's house, but unfortunately we had my mother with us and uh, she probably wouldn't have appreciated going to see Marillion. Well, considering she can't really walk further than a couple of metres. Yeah. I, I don't think she would have handled it very well. No. <laughs> she used to she used to uh, quite like some Marillion when I was growing up, when I used to play it. Did she? You never yeah. told me that before. What yeah. were her favourites? I don't know. Probably Lavender, that sort of stuff. But yeah, she did. She had a she had a weird taste in music. Because she liked Queen, you see. So anything that sounded did she? a little I bit... I didn't know that. I don't know your parents' taste in music at all. Okay, this is probably way off. Imagine your dad liking like country music <laughs> well my, for my, some reason my mum's quite easy mm. right she she does like boy zone and boy right, bands yeah. queen cliff yes. richard westlife boy yeah zone, westlife that that sort of thing and then yeah and then queen uh my dad i've no idea but the albums that we had in the house growing up were weird comp- uh, collection of of things there was a there was a country and western album a compilation oh then there were various, maybe you've told me that before yeah. and it's gone in there were lots of albums of great war movie themes that's so him that's so him that is so him it was an acker bilk album oh uh, never heard of them him oh him Acker-Bilk. oh it's a person it's a, clarinet, a band. clarinet boy i think oh or oboe boy Nice. Boy. <laughs> Player. Play some of that sweet oboe. Oh, Acker. one of those. I think it was clarinet was his thing. Ackerbilk. And then uh, what else did we have in the house? I, mean, I remember there was a Brotherhood of Man album. I'm pretty sure that wasn't my dad's. And then there were, yeah, my sister's records. But my oh. dad, I've never really heard him missing the music. Really? Yeah. Not even in the car? No. No, no, he doesn't. Doesn't have the news on, if anything. Oh, I, I, uh, I seem to remember him telling me one time he liked Frank Sinatra. Oh, I can, I can see your dad listening to Frank Sinatra. But his music isn't his thing. It's like football and army. Yeah, <laughs> football and well, therefore soldiers. he enjoyed his greatest army movie theme song albums. Yes. Yeah, my. My dad had a great taste in music. I loved my dad's music when he put it on. In the yeah, car. mainly we, in the car, but sometimes in the house. Well, your dad uh, stealth got you into prog, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I guess <laughs> you, I guess you he didn't did. even know, and he didn't even know. Yeah, because um, yeah, he used to listen to. Oh, he had a huge record collection when I was really small. Which one one of the albums which we were talking about in private the other day was Pink Floyd's The Wall, and well, we're I was not talking about that on last, the last the episode. Cover. 
Was I it? I thought we talked about it on the last episode. because we Maybe, were, yeah, we we're did, talking about album we, cover art. We were art. talking about album cover art. Yeah, and I loved looking at that. And I loved um, looking at the Elton John Yellow Brick Road album right. art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, for me, that was... I used to just get the records out to look at the art. Mm. And even when my, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband... His record collection was, it was quite a cool record collection. You know, it had The Wall. It mm. had uh, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Uh, various David Bowie albums. And I did. I used to just get the records out to look at the art. Right. Um, yeah. The vinyl sleeves. You know. it, yeah, they're just huge chunks of art, aren't they? Yeah. With so much detail on them. Sparks your imagination. But yeah, so I remember like my dad... Was I just loved his music, yeah, you know, and it would range from Pink Floyd to um, he loved Supertramp back in the 70s, and then you know, Dire Straits in the 80s, and then things like um, Ennio Morricone, he got me into him. Oh, wow, I love Ennio Morricone. And one album that it was just like a compilation. Do you remember the show China Beach? It was Never heard it was of it. it was like Never set in the Vietnam War. Wow. Anyway, he had one CD which was the the music from China Beach, which wow. was just basically a compilation of I'm guessing it was like late 60s, early 70s music. Mm. And I love that CD. Um yeah, and then my mom loves Boney M and mm. um I don't know if she bought it for me, but she ended up listening to it. Uh, Michael Bolton. Wow. <laughs> such a mum album. I don't think I ever listened to Michael Bolton. <laughs> such a mum album. I think my mum likes, my mum likes Michael Bolton as well. Well, mum seemed to like Michael Bolton. Yeah. Wow. But, um, yeah, my dad was more of the music lover. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my sisters, they, there was always music in the house growing up. Yeah, same. We've got way off topic but that's fine because this week it's just a chit chat isn't it mostly chit chat week uh Catch yeah up. my sisters it was always kind of uh bay city rollers all right uh david cassidy donny osmond yeah you know the sort of teenage heartthrobs but uh, and did you enjoy listening hmm? to that well kind of yeah but <laughs> A lot of those sort of songs were like David Essex. Yeah. Gonna make you a star and rock on. Those, I, I hear those and it still takes me back to being little. Yeah. And the same with sort of, you know, Save All Your Kisses For Me by The Brotherhood of Man or, oh God, what's that? Oh, the David Cassidy song. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, all those sort of songs really take me back to being tiny and the 70s. So Yeah, it's funny how... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bee Gees as well. I don't know which parent liked the Bee Gees, but oh. I freaking loved the Bee Gees when I was little. Yeah. That takes me back to childhood hearing them. Yeah. Yeah. But my, yeah, but the music that wasn't, there wasn't like rock music in the house growing up. Apart from, uh, well, my sister, my other sister, Alison. Yeah. When she, when she met uh, her first husband, mm. it was American and he, he had that kind of classic rock taste in music. So it was like Meatloaf, Styx, uh, Barkley James Harvest, good prog band, you know, and yeah. he would play all that. And so that. is that, is he, is that how you got influenced into the okay, it's one of those things that wasn't, rockier side? I didn't sort of see it as, oh, I'm influenced by, by that. 
mm. you know, by him playing that sort of music. It was more, oh, okay, this is the music I like then, is it? Yeah, I mean, same. When, <laughs> it's that. You know, if we were on a long drive and my dad had some music on that I loved, it would just be like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like, hmm, this is what I should like then. Oh, this must be good music to to listen to. Yeah, it's it was, about... It's, it's just about more to a, a feeling, isn't that it? That music was waiting for me to find it. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. It's like, yeah, you know, I always had that taste in music. I just never heard it before. And it was like, yeah, the first time I heard Marillion properly, or particularly Misplaced Child at the album. Uh, you know, that sense of I've never heard anything like this. And I think I love it. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was no, yeah. And even really, the genesis that I knew was was the sort of more um, commercial genesis. So I certainly didn't really have any idea of what prog was. I'd never even heard of prog. Not until never you met even me. heard, until I met you. <laughs> didn't know that it existed. Yeah. You know, music was just music, really. Yeah, which is exactly how it should be. Yeah. Really. Yeah, it should be just. It's just music. This labels thing is nonsense. But, but I didn't think music could be that sort of. I guess complex. Yeah, I was going to say interesting. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, because I do. You, on a journey. you know, I do love a good chart song, um, and certainly growing up in my teenage years, I listened to enough dance music, but it never, it never, and I loved it in the moment. Yeah, it, I, it never kept my interest long enough to be able to. Well, actually, some of them did. I was going to say, to be able to re-listen to it over and over again, the way that some more complex music can. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. No, actually, maybe that's a lie, because there were some simple songs that I just listened to to death, and it's like, why? Really? Like, Rhythm is a dancer. No one needs to listen to that 50 times. Great song. Well, I did. It's a great song. It is a great it's song. It's a classic. I yeah. mean, that that was the thing. It's the first, the first, well, first single I ever bought was uh, by Brown Source, I Want to Be a Winner. Which, uh, it was Noel oh, Edmonds. If those of you who don't know, he's a British TV presenter. He was in a band as well. Well, no, he was a kids TV presenter. Mm. And their band, Brown Source, they released one single as a kind of spin-off of the kids TV show. Uh, him, Keith Chegwin and Maggie Philbin, the team, the presenting team, basically. Mm. So it was like yeah. a kind of tongue in chair. That was the first thing I bought because I love Swap Shop. And for my sins, Noel Edmonds was kind of my hero. Thank God he's never been fully cancelled. He's just considered Why don't an eccentric. Colour in your beard then. What, like if, he's, if he's your true hero, <laughs> you should you should be dyeing your really? beard every That's day. That's what I should be doing with a marker pen, like he <laughs> and, does, and making cosmic orders. Uh, and then, but then the first proper album I got was uh, Prince Charming by Adam and the Ants so I was already showing kind of affinity for uh, rock stars who painted their faces you were heading (laughs) you were heading down that road but that road that leads straight to fish but that that album was a really curious album because it's uh, you know prior to that it'd been sort of quite punky and quite sort of new age I guess Adam and and then when that was his most commercial you know or became mm. very commercial there with the singles like sort of prince charming and was it and and rap and mm. <laughs> like but but there's also some really weird music on it and again it was like oh this is uh this is really i'm intrigued by this i didn't think people made music that sounded this sort of odd mm. with these odd lyrics mm. uh and again i'm mean, even that i remember 
staring at the artwork. It was just a photo of him with all his makeup on, his his painted nails and stuff, but dressed as this, you know, in this sort of panto outfit. Like, it was the coolest person on earth. Uh, so, uh, but singles-wise, it was all pop songs I bought. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, I think one of the first singles was uh, The Lion Sleeps Tonight by Tight oh, Fit. Love that yeah. song. Ooh, wee, ooh, I love ooh, wee, that song. Ooh, the Lion Sleeps Tonight. Oh, wee, oh, wee, oh, 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 dear. Okay, ah. okay. Serenading our listeners. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so I've always loved, I've always loved pop, and I think again yeah, that's that's same. partly why Marillion resonated with me because you had that misplaced childhood album, but the thing that got me into it was a pop song, which was Kaylee, and right. then on there you had at least several other really great pop songs. Yeah, Lavender. I would say that Childhood's End is a great pop rock song. Yeah, I guess it the... is. Would you say Heart of Lothian is pop rock? Yeah. Yeah, it's catchy and it's... It's catchy. Yeah. Uh, so talking of, mm. so the Light at the End of the Tunnel tour. This yes. episode, we may have some spoilers if you've not seen them live yet. Just to warn you, we are going to discuss the set list. Yes, we are. But before we mention any specific songs, we'll give you a warning. And I'll leave in the description of where to jump ahead to. Good idea. When we've stopped talking about the specific songs. Because mm-hmm. we also, we want to talk about, uh, we've got a couple of anamacnophobia bits to talk about. We're going to talk about number one. Yes. The bonus track that was on the bonus disc and the Mark Kelly remix of Between You and Me, which isn't going to take long. No, we could a couple of now. minutes at most. What do you think of that? <laughs> well, which one? The Mark Kelly remix of Between You and Me. It was great. I loved it. Upbeat. Um, yeah. He kind of brought it to life, I felt. You think it was a... less moody. Yeah. I mean, not that be- Between You and Me is moody, but it was kind of a little bit more spirited. Yeah. It's I bouncier. loved it. It's bouncier, that's the word. It's a better single, which I is loved why it. it was released as a single. Yeah. They didn't I, think, I think it really works. He's got a talent there. That boy has a talent there, he has. Oh, talking of him, he's, uh, his autobiography is available for pre-order you rushed right to that pre-order page last night the last, in fact i bought two was weirdly. it this morning can't no, remember last night. time has in melded the space of 15 itself. minutes i pre-ordered two music musical biographies last night because there's one of mark hollis from talk talk coming out ah uh, uh, who uh, uh, famously very secretive mysterious fellow but, oh and he's written an autobiography no no he's dead Oh, <laughs> he's a biography. He's ghost written and <laughs> quite literally ghost written it. Uh, yeah, no, do you know? I remember he died a couple of years ago. I was really sad. Oh yeah, I remember Even that. Even though now. he hadn't done anything in like nineteen years, yeah. just the fact that he never will again. Really. It really affected you. It did oddly that one because um, you know he's done some absolutely beautiful music. Uh, so yeah, but the Mark Kelly. So I ordered that, and then it was like, oh my god, and the Mark Kelly biography is is i'll be curious to read it because i always see mark kelly as a bit of an enigma yeah i don't know much about him i mean i don't really know much about any of the band members except for h really Mm. about their personal lives well i know mark kelly seemed to have lived in lived in seemed to have lived in a cathedral last year during (laughs) the couch convention well he's moved since Apparently then. he's moved since then. That's and he likes jogging. That's and he got all married last year. Oh, he got married last year, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah, in Gibraltar. 
uh, and to, to a oh I in Gibraltar think, to we, I think we a Brazilian. Uh, yes, I know he has a Brazilian girlfriend thanks wife, to H. Wife, wife, wife. Sorry, wife. Thanks to H <laughs> um, for saying mentioning that at some point. No, it wasn't actually. It was he mentioned it in a YouTube video, which they've stopped doing, haven't they? Yeah. Well, they've oh, been getting sad. ready for the tour, which we will get around to talking about. Everyone, yeah. But but yeah, he's quite he's quite enigmatic. I did not see that coming that he'd ri- he'd have written an autobiography. I was really surprised. I thought it was a joke when he mentioned it in an interview. Mm. I thought this was going to be like his, uh, like his famous Dante's Inferno album from like twenty five years ago. <laughs> never get it done, but shows what I know. This lockdown was he's, obviously good for him. Yeah, he's been quite productive because he wrote an album as well. Yeah, he was really busy in lockdown. Last he year. needs more lockdowns in his life. He really does. Yeah, yeah. What did the rest of them achieve? Paul H started a podcast. Rodgers has gone on a solo tour. <laughs> No, he didn't go on a solo tour. He did one solo didn't date. Didn't he do one week. recently? Yeah, date. Oh, he Rothers went on a solo date. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to the bathroom for a solo date. <laughs> wow. Okay, you said it, not me. Um, <laughs> no, you said no, it. No, I said it. You took it there, not me. Um. What have the others done? Ian's been doing all the finances, so he's always busy. Okay. Uh, who does that leave? Pete. Pete seems Pete's to Pete's always to, busy. He's always in Cornwall. Is he? He seems to go there quite often. I mean, I'd go to Cornwall if I could. Yeah. All the time, because it looks beautiful, but no one wants to go there with we me. We will go. It's no just a long No one wants to go way. with me. Okay, I've been, there so the many, I've been there so many times. I know, just because you've been there a million times, you don't want to go, and I've never we been. We will go. I keep getting teased with like beautiful photos on Instagram. Of Pete? No, just of Cornwall. Okay, we'll go, we'll, we'll go. That's not really what the podcast's about, though. It's not. Um, yeah, so Mark, uh, yeah, it, it's, I'm really interested to know. Uh, actually, do you know what? Should I read the blurb out? Yeah, the back do of it. it. So Mark Kelly's. Uh, biography, autobiography, lest we forget, is called Marillion, Misadventures and Marathons. The, ah. the Life and Times of Mad Jack. Ah. With a picture of him standing in a ruined building, mm. looking very mean and moody, all in black. Ooh. He doesn't look happy on the cover. There's not even a keyboard on I want to see the photo now. What's, um, where can, I, can you airdrop it to me, please? Yes, doing that now. So you can get it on uh, on Burning Shed. You do lots of sort of prog CDs and the like if you've never bought from them before. The, he looks like he's ready. He's ready for business. He looks like he's going to assassinate someone. <laughs> he looks like he's got a gun. He's not happy, under his is he? Arm. Yeah, he's like, don't mess with me, mate. Yeah. Uh, they don't. They. You don't. Wait. You don't have you're to right. be. <laughs> <laughs> this is what he's saying. You don't have to be mad to work here. But it helps. Why has he got a really strong Australian accent? It sounds better in an Australian accent. <laughs> you don't wow. have to be mad, Jack, to work here, but it helps. Pretty good. That's not really a good Australian accent. That's a terrible Australian accent. Well, you'll know. Uh, so he says on the back, Much like finding yourself on the ninth story ledge of a European hotel as the wind whips around you, as Mark Kelly once did, it's not unusual to question your life choices sometimes. Marillion's Mark Kelly has had six decades to consider a life less ordinary and the decisions he made that took him there. 
from a dirt poor early childhood in Ireland to some of the biggest stages of the world, Kelly's journey has described an arc that any fiction writer might blanch at. The departure from the band of their singer at the height of their powers, no, he isn't mentioned by name, reinventing the music industry wheel by pioneering crowdfunding to help his band survive, and going from club shows to stadiums and almost all the way back again. Meridian Misadventures and Marathons, The Life and Times of Mad Jack, charts the remarkable rise and fall of one of rock music's most enduring bands and the keyboard player at the heart of that journey. And he's got a quote from Rick Wakeman. You know who he is, Sanya? I know the name. He's he's Mr. Keyboard. Well, he's Mark Kelly's idol or hero, childhood hero. Oh, right. I think it was Rick Wakeman is why he got into keyboards. He used to, he used to play keyboards for Yes. Right, that's it. But also was... Uh, very famous sort of session keyboardist. I think he played on like sort of various David Bowie songs like Space Oddity, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm leaving that in, though, if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Rick Wakeman says, Mark Kelly deserves so much career credit. An, inc- an incredibly gifted musician and composer. He has now written a book that is compelling reading. It's rare to find such honesty in a book like this. And undoubtedly, it was written from the heart. Mm. can't wait we i might read it too then we can have a book club and well, maybe maybe our <laughs> listeners can read it and write in letters i'll have bought you a copy but uh it was 25 quid it's fine i'll just read your copy so, there's yeah. no need to buy me a copy we can read well, the same well copy. book club you've got to read it at the same time i'll get it on kindle well i don't know if it's going to be available on kindle no what H's, everything's H's available book, on h's book's never been available on kindle are you kidding? Yeah. It's 2021. Well, it Nearly is. Nearly 2022. You, you tell that to Mad Jack. Come on, Mad Jack. Release it on Kindle, please. Might, might shoot you in the back of the head, though. That's yeah, he, he, looks like he he's might. Doing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's very honest in his book. He I, seems like... I wouldn't be surprised if he really is an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> I am the assassin. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah. Yeah, he seems like he's quite an honest, straight-talking fellow. I suspect you, you, you don't get any punches pulled with him. No. Quite blunt. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that coming out. Um, we're jumping all over the place this week. We've... We didn't talk about... So we talked about his version of Between You and Me. We were also going to talk about the number one. The number one. Is number one and number two. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, no, number one was all right. You think it's all right? It, it, was, it wasn't It was like a mega hit. It wasn't the most memorable thing I've heard in my life. It also wasn't a steamer. It's sort of in the same category as uh, Memory of Water, isn't it? It's like mm. a slow kind of uh, strings. It's, it's lots of strings. I like strings. the strings. The sweet yes. strings were a sweet addition. Reminds me of what's that? It's forgettably what's that pleasant. Sting, sting song that uh, stings and strings. Yeah, sting quartet. No stings attached. Yeah, we can keep doing versions of that if you want, or we could talk about the song. Uh, it reminds me of the uh, is it Russians or something like that? A bit. He did a song about Russians. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Anyway, there's something a bit Russiany about about it for me. Oh. Um, I've always found it just dreary, but it's all right. It doesn't last very long. It doesn't last long at all. In terms of it being the bonus track mm. on the 
on, on the Anamatophobia second disc, I was enormously disappointed at the time because it's like, okay, well, this isn't this isn't Cinderella search, is it? This oh. isn't, you know, it was. Ugh. Wait, it was a bonus track on the album or on the single? No, 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 on the album. It was the album had for those that pre-ordered had mm. two discs, right? One contained the main album. The second one contained the Mark Kelly remix of Between You and Me, I think. Mm. Uh, this, mm-hmm. number one, some demos and a video file. Ah, interesting. Yeah, it wasn't... It's not like now, where you kind of get full-on documentaries and stuff on the bonus discs and loads of bits and bobs. Mm. It's a little bit disappointing, and especially as the one fully original song was such a... dirge. <laughs> Wow, your opinion of it has just... It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. As I said, forgettably forgettably pleasant. I I would say forgettably dreary. Forgettably pleasant. It's okay. It's like... It's too... It's too bland to have an opinion of. No, that's mean. It's not bland. I I wouldn't call it bland. No, sorry, I'm getting too mean now. You are, calm down. It's not that... (laughs) It's not bland... It's okay, but I wouldn't rush back to listen to it again. Mm. Uh, what it's about, it's it's another H singing about fame and other musicians. Here we song. are again. My God, he had uh, a bone that he couldn't drop. Uh, he is very taken by that subject. Was he? Yeah. Well, he was. Very preoccupied with it. Uh, you know, we're in... We're now, in Three-minute boy territory. Yes. And what are the other ones? Loads of them he's done. When you read the lyrics, did you get the sense he was talking about himself or about others? Well, here's the thing. I always saw that last line, don't you ever wonder if this will to win is a weakness, Yes, was aimed at himself. I was wondering that too. I've always thought that that was aimed at him. So did I. That was my exact thought. It was him having a word with himself. Just, However, just for that section. Just yes. for that. The rest of it feels like it's aimed at Mariah Carey and the like. Those who want to be famous aren't in it for the artistic integrity. They want to sell as many records as possible. It's a bit mean to Mariah Carey. Have you heard her voice? I've got. You a f- don't get a voice like that. I've got a I'm feeling not- he's even dedicated it to Mariah Carey at one point. Um, so that's why I'm mentioning her. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> what has Mariah Carey ever done to him? Well, uh, would you... Have you heard her voice? It's phenomenal. Yeah, okay. Why have a go at her for not having artistic integrity? Well, this is this is it, isn't it? This is why he's always... When he when he deals with this subject, you're, you're kind of on dodgy ground. Because what he's doing is he's sort of saying that what he does is real. And you know he's an artist, and he's committed, and you know, yeah, he's he's. <laughs> I should mention that joke that I did the other week that I thought of after the podcast. Yeah, go that, on. I can't know, remember. Oh, that, that, uh... <laughs> it was. I was saying about if I'd interviewed him about an hour before. It... No, what's the song? If I'd interviewed him about be hard on yourself, mm. uh, and you know, asking him whether he, you know, believed in what he was singing. Mm-hmm. That uh, he got so worked up, he went and carved four real into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Yeah, it's a good I joke. Remember that now. It's a good joke. If you know the reference, it's a good joke. <laughs> anyway, oh. um, but yeah, it it's him saying he's he's sort of setting himself above others, putting himself mm. on a bit of a pedestal. Is how it comes across. Whether that's what he's doing, I don't know. But that's how it comes across in Three Minute Boy, in this and other times that he's dealt with the subject. However, then you have that last line of don't you ever wonder if this will to win is a weakness, which mm. then makes me wonder, okay, well then is the rest of it as much about him? Yes. You know, you sound truly heartbroken, you can do it, you're a pro. I mean, so that's sort of saying that the emotion isn't real. Now that doesn't seem like it's about him because don't forget H always says he can only feel songs. He can't, you know, he has to feel them to sing them. True. So that is, he is talking about someone else. Agony from every pore and such control. The orchestra swoops and the drum samples roll. You hold the high scream into the key change for the outro. It's another number one. It's, that's not aimed at him. Mm. It's not, sorry. That's exactly where you're coming from. It, it Basically, it's another number one. That's exactly where you're coming from. But can you play me a song for the deliberate loser? So he's sort of saying you can't write a song that's real. You know, they're fake emotions. I feel really defensive on the behalf of Mariah Carey. Okay, let the Mariah Carey thing go. Let it go. You don't know how many hours of trading it takes. Well, it does. It says here, look, like an Olympic ice skater, you put in the hours. Learn the routine and the high-scoring loops. (laughs) That takes... That's an art. That in itself is an art form. Just having, you know, art does not necessarily only mean you have to have a bleeding heart. And be putting your most difficult emotions on a page. What he seems to be saying, and I'm not, I'm just being devil's advocate here and just just taking the opposite view from you. Yeah, that's fine. I don't balance. mind that because I do uh, that all the time. <laughs> but what he seems to be saying is that, that that sort of approach is quite soulless and lacks real true heart. Yeah, okay. And I get I get that perspective. It can be seen as soulless. Yeah, when she's doing that thing with finger in the ear and the hand. Sounds just like Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey's in the room. What it does do is it does paint megastars as, as inhuman. <laughs> it's kind of like icons and not Robots. Real. Yeah, robots yeah. are not real people. Mm. Uh... A robot is skilled at doing soulless, mm. calculated work. Be, They're good at it, but there's no emotion in it. Or... Well, here's the thing, like Adele. I'm not, I, I'm not agreeing with that, by the way. I'm just sort of... Yeah, well, here's... Look at Adele, mm. right? She's... Uh, her realness was, was a big selling point for her. Mm. You know, in her early career, she wrote songs about her life. You know, they were... All her albums are named after the year of her, she, how old she was that year. Yeah. Uh, although the new one's called 30 and she's now 33. But anyway, I guess that's when it... Maybe she wrote it when she was 30. Well, I think she wrote it when she was 30 when she split up with her husband. Oh. Um. And it seems like even though she's sort of on the outside, she sort of has, now she's kind of clearly sort of gone very glam. Mm. She's lost a lot of weight. She's gone very glam. In interviews, they do seem to sort of still sell her on her realness. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about how tough she's found her marriage breakup and being a mom and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so there feels like with her, there's a, the, I mean, the hype over her new album is enormous. You know, you know, she's 
huge TV special in America, a big one over here that she's doing. Um, but they seem to have sort of realised that her relatability is is key to her mm. uh, her success in a lot of ways. You know, and I guess that it almost seems like there's a slight panic that that she might become so successful that she becomes unrelatable. Yeah, becomes unrelatable and less appealing. I don't know. That's mm. how I feel. So you know, she sort of seems quite open to talk about all her problems and still sound as grounded and working class London girl as she always was. So anyway, what's the point I was making? Um, but yeah, Mariah Carey's never had that. She's always seemed unobtainably kind of other. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know what the but point was. I mean, I the thing her. is, it's like, okay, I'm not a massive Mariah Carey fan. I admire her skill mm. and I love the sound of her voice. But I just think, well, there's room in the world for both. Yeah. There's room in the world for pure, can you call it aesthetic skill? Is it aesthetic, just the sound of it? If it sounds nice? I agree with you, for what there's, it's worth. There's I agree room with in you. The ro- there's room in the world for that. Mm. And there's also room in the world for deep feeling, honest, raw emotion. Yeah. It comes back to what you and I were talking about earlier, funny enough, about liking pop as well as this other stuff. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with liking popular music. There's space for both. Yeah. And you might prefer one over the other, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's better than. What what it comes across like is, is, and I'm not just talking about it in relation to this one song, but other songs that he's written on this subject. Mm. It almost feels like a sort of bitterness and frustration that, that the music he makes hasn't made him more successful. Yeah. And the whole will to win is a weakness. It, he clearly, what what that lyric does, and I actually, I have to say, I like, I love that line at the end. That stayed with me for years, funny enough. Mm. Uh, and I'll explain why in a minute. But um, what what that seems to do is it feels like the rest of the song then is is someone bitter that they're not like those people. So it's like sort of like having pot shots. That's how the kind, I have to be honest, it is sort of the sense I get from all of his songs about fame. But wait, but wait, what this one does that's different is mm. that then he goes, then he turns it on himself. Right. And says, don't you ever wonder if that will to win is a weakness. However, we're just speculating that he's turned it on himself. True. You know, maybe he is aiming that at Mariah Carey and her ilk. Maybe or maybe it both. Maybe, maybe he's aiming isn't. it at both. But but the rest of the song doesn't match up with his career. He true. doesn't have number ones. That's true. Yeah, you know, he isn't. Yeah. He isn't. Would that would it be similar to us sort of having a go at a number one podcast and kind of going, oh, well, your podcasts are about the news, and no, forget what? it. I've lost the, <laughs> what is lost that? the plot. The news. I'm trying to. <laughs> News, oh, you know, you know, your problem, your podcast, it's always going on about, it's You're always going on about, about the news. Your podcast, is too much news. You've just got number one about talking about. Oh, forget it. No, yeah. that, I haven't you got did, any. You think you, you you did so much research before? You, you, your podcast stays so on, so on track, and you don't have teenagers walking around. You think you're so great. <laughs> I 
teenagers walking around. They've been really quiet they today. They are quiet today. It's because I shouted at them the other night. They've probably gone back to sleep because they were woken up early by the engineers. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, where was I? Uh, but we also know that from things he said on Corona Diaries that he wanted to be a huge pop star. Mm. He did. Mm-hmm. And he's lost that now. Or to the point that he is, he sort of seems quite content with where Meridian are at. But it, it clearly drove him mental. Well, he they, wrote plenty of songs yeah, about it. That they they had, you know, number one albums before he joined the band. Oh, uh, yeah. It clearly drove him mad. That was that's not stung. literally mad. I'm no, not saying he was insane, but yeah. But it it hurt a bit. It, it hurt, stung. I think. Yeah, they hit that they weren't able to replicate that with him. With him. Mm. And, and, and the that's thing is, it's understandable. Well, it is. It's it, a human reaction. It's to a completely have. human reaction, and it's also it's not his fault that they didn't. No, because aside from anything else, Kaylee Kaylee was a fluke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with H himself. Yeah, he was a very pretty boy, but Kaylee was a fluke. You know, they've admitted that themselves. Uh, and then on top of that. <sighs> Just music moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was with them at the wrong time, if anything. Yeah, he joined the band too late. Their career had moved into a different phase, and I think yeah. it would have done even if Fish had stayed with the band. And maybe if he'd got together with them when they were all younger, maybe, it would have been yeah. a different story. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, the the but the fact is, I'm trying to think if he wrote any songs about fame after this. Or, or you know, the music industry after the, obviously the levers, but oh. that's very different. The levers, I don't take that as no a, a, a kind of a, an opinion on the music that's industry. A, it's more yeah. of a personal experience of being a lever, being yeah, life on the road, life yeah. on the road. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think there were any of this, and it's it's. I'm glad because every time he did it, I kind of thought, oh mate, yeah, why is that a bit more relatable? Aside yeah. from anything else, it makes you look a bit petty. It comes across as a bit jealous. Yeah, jealous. And it's like... Well, it's insecurity, know. Well, isn't first it? of all, it's, I think I, I really don't care about the topic. Like, no. zero. I don't care. I have I don't care zero he, interest yeah. in I don't care topic. if he wants a number one single. I don't care. No, neither do I. <laughs> don't care. I don't care if other people have been really successful in their careers, yeah. in their music careers, and have a million number ones, and then aren't happy or whatever yeah. it's like well good on them or bad yeah. on them or oh poor them um <laughs> i have zero zero investment in that topic and zero relatability to it yeah uh and then on top of that sometimes the lyrics do come across as having a, a jealous tinge to them and that puts me off yeah it does it puts me off and i'm glad that that this it probably stopped with this Thank goodness. Oh, my goodness. I would be so happy if this was the last Fame song. Well, it's interesting, thank... isn't it? Yeah, Because what goodness. did it coincide with? Oh, them having a top ten single. Oh, he didn't need to. On their he next album, they had a anymore. top ten single. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and success again. You know, Oh, he like, got his wish. Way. Okay, good. I'm happy. Good. That satisfied <laughs> him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. Wow. Uh, there was some. Yeah, thing. I will not miss the fame songs. I, they never. They've been my least favorite of all Marillion songs. It reminds me of it. it it's for me. It's 
Stephen King syndrome, where every time I say this, and I've said this on other things before, when I go, oh yeah, most Stephen King books are about uh, a writer who, mm. who's got writer's block, and then a scary thing happens to him. <laughs> right. well, he always has writer's block. Seems to be every time I look up a synopsis of a bloody Stephen King <laughs> well, book. You don't even read the book; you just oh, look I've up read, a synopsis. I've read Stephen King books. Right. I've read plenty. Yeah, uh, I've stopped reading Stephen King books because every time I look up the synopsis of one, it seems to be like, oh, Joe was a Joe was a novelist who uh, retreated to a cabin in the woods because uh, to to get over his writer's block. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, and I then just, the spiders came out of the floor. Well, yeah, and then oh, his, his typewriter came to life and tried to kill him. <laughs> tried to bite his yeah. fingernails oh, off. His typewriter was a ghost. And then, and then, and then it said, "No, Stephen, I'm just trying to trim your nails, not bite your finger fingers off." Fingerninners, fingerninnies, fingerninnies. But I've always called it Stephen King syndrome because it's like certain bands, for instance, or or screenwriters yeah they get so so big and it becomes their their career becomes their only thing about them mm. you know so they, they they are unable to write about topics that are universal and relatable oh so it's that thing that you were saying that everyone was panicking about adele losing the relatability well, yeah. because Look, and if becoming adele like started that. singing about being famous and and started singing about being adele yeah. As in not Adele the person, but Adele the pop singer and talked about going on stage and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It, it, it's... But wait, wait, stop. No, no you're waiting. putting your arm in the air like I'm... you're at school. You're not at school. Yeah, just to let you know, I've, I've thought of something good. Yeah, good. I know, but I've like totally lost my thread that I was making. You, I didn't interrupt you. You did. I, that you is did. Not... I was midway through a that sentence. That is not interrupting. That's no, just like, that, oh my that's God, I've thought That's additional something. interruption. There was a previous interruption... And when you listen back to this on your walk, go back 30 seconds. You'll see, you'll hear it. <laughs> what, the Adele thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that wasn't it. That, I'll give you that. That was Thank an you. interruption. Right. I don't know what I was saying because I got interrupted. Okay, good. I know what I want to say. Funny you should mention that. So you were just saying about, imagine Adele started only singing about being famous and what it's like to I was saying that, sing yeah. on stage <laughs> and pre- present awards ceremonies and blah, blah, blah. Interesting, interesting point. Billie Eilish's new album has a few songs about being famous and um, getting your friends to sign an NDA and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't have the same reaction to it. And I don't know if it's because it's about her personal experience of it. It's not kind of trying to cut down other famous people or whatever or you know, it doesn't come across as being jealous of other successful people. It's just her personal experience of it. And I found it interesting. Yeah. Look, not relatable at all, <laughs> but interesting. That's not, I'm not saying that there should be a blanket ban on it. I mean, how many rock bands have, you know, sung a song called, you know, about, oh, we're in a rock and roll band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in this song. It isn't him going, you know, oh, yeah, and then uh, we got on the bus and we went to the studio. (laughs) I tried to write some lyrics and they wouldn't come out. Or Or even like when he wrote Hollow Man, I love Hollow Man, and I think when he wrote that, it works. Yeah, this is just being Things like Three Minute Boy or The Number One, where they're pointing at other people. I don't know. 
I mean, they're his valid opinion, I suppose. I just find them less interesting. No, not interesting. What's the word? I just don't like them as much. No, no. Yeah, but it's, it's, I remember what I was saying in that sentence where you interrupted me. Mm. <laughs> yes, my apologies for that. Yeah, I, I was, I think, I can't remember if I said all of this or not, but about how, uh, yeah, that's not to say, for instance, like the writer, uh, Charlie Kaufman, who tends to write screenplays about writing screenplays and, or doesn't tend to, has done, mm. you know, adaptation and, oh God, what was that? I can't even pronounce it. But, um, you know, sometimes even writes himself into his films. Right. As a character, or adaptation certainly did. Uh, and on one level, it sort of can be really self-indulgent. Mm. You know, and you, you know, part of me kind of goes, wow, this person really being a pop star, a screenwriter, a novelist or whatever, that's their entire identity. Mm-hmm. And I've never got that. I've never understood that. Mm. Um but that's not to say it can't relate, result in great art. Mm. And I think that I think what what when it becomes more interesting is when you find the universalities within that. Exactly. You know, when they write about that situation from a human perspective. Yeah, from a universal perspective. Exactly. All right, you know, we can all be jealous of other people. Uh, yeah. I mean, I generally not. Uh, I don't no. think. You wouldn't. Don't think you and I really suffer from that particularly. Uh, it's because I've got no ambition well, yeah, well, <laughs> whatsoever. But this is this is where it comes back like, to. Other people yeah. want to be successful. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I literally, I'd love to be really rich, but then that's because I just think that will solve a lot of problems <laughs> in our life. Because <laughs> like, like, you could have, you could have fun. Yeah, we'd have fun. I'd love to be really rich. Uh, that's it. That's my ambition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but that requires loads of work. <laughs> I've, 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 you know, I've spent years working really hard and it didn't make me rich. Oh. Yeah, so I've given up now. <laughs> sort of given up. But I've still got the debt from those years, so I don't quite know what to do. And I've got to work really hard to pay off the debt, but I don't want to anymore. Catch 22. <laughs> yeah. uh, God, where was I? Um, yeah, that, that's what I was sort of talking about when... You know, people define themselves by what they do for a living, whether it's yeah, you know, being a novelist or a singer in a rock band or whatever. Mm. I don't get the sense that age does anymore. I don't I get, get that the sense, sense that he's got either. a more rounded life. Mm. But certainly, you know, young people can kind of go, "This is the entirety of who and what I am." So then, what yes. happens? This is, is my is, identity. Yeah, if you fail in that, you're a failure of a person. And you're losing a sense of self because that's become your identity. And, you know, if we look back at that period of time in his life, maybe the fact that it wasn't the happiest on a personal level, having that identity of, well, this is something that potentially can work out for me where I can be successful, I can be good at something where he is good at it. Yeah. Um, The fact that it wasn't going as well as he wanted to was impacting him whereas now maybe he has a happier personal life yeah so not as much as riding upon that career success it's interesting because i've often i'm not going to mention any names here but i have encountered let's say tv producers or other people that work in tv and i've been at awards ceremonies Mm. and their reaction when they've lost as 
often taken me aback because I, I always think with award ceremonies they they're completely arbitrary. Oh, I know. It's yeah, like it's I've, not real. I've been on uh, I've been on judging panels for award ceremonies, cut a tie for the BAFTAs. I'm not really allowed to talk about it because I did once and I got into trouble. Uh, but okay, I thought it was a really interesting. In a roundabout yeah, way. I talk about it in a roundabout. I thought it was a really interesting process. But what what happens is with BAFTA, they send out copies of the episode or whatever because you know a show it's different with music but i'll talk about this anyway with with tv the way it works is the the production team or whatever will select one episode of a series that they think best represents it and that so submit that to bafta mm-hmm. and then that will get sent out to all of bafta's members mm-hmm. uh so they won't bafta's members won't see the entire series they'll just have one episode to judge it by right let's say regardless of the category it'd be one episode uh, and then, um, then they'll vote. Now, do you think every single one of the tens of thousands or whatever BAFTA members watch every single thing they get sent? Of course they don't. You know, a lot of the time, you know, mates vote for mates. I know this for a fact. Mm. You know, mates vote for mates uh, shows and it's just how it's done. So then, then that gets whittled down to a shortlist. And then a group of, I think there are eight of us in a room then we've we've been sent the the short list of episodes that we have to watch, and then we're in a room, and then we all just sit around and discuss the merits of it. Mm. One of them, by the way, everyone, one of them was really cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal this. I was in I was in the room with the guy that did the famous iconic Pink Floyd live show animation. Do you know the us and them and time and all of those that were on the round screen i was in a room with him on a judging panel for oh, bafta wow. and uh, he started talking about roger waters at one point and i wanted to ask him loads of questions and i bottled it Aww. anyway uh, <laughs> he was a very lovely man um so we sit around we d- debate it and then we all vote in an anonymity on an ipad right uh, so it's hardly then, the people's vote yeah i mean and it, so it's it's yeah that's not an exhaustive method of going this is the best thing yeah it's not exactly <laughs> it really isn't and uh and on top of that what you get in those rooms and i'm not saying this happened when i did it but what can happen i would imagine is that you get certain people who are gobbier and more forceful than others who uh, are very good at convincing people of their point of view mm. uh you know people who do talk more than other people do right got gotcha yeah uh, and you can see other people who perhaps aren't quite as forthright, perhaps being swayed by the views of a, a minority. Oh. So, uh, but, I've, and then subsequently, I've been at award ceremonies where I've been nominated alongside someone mm. in a category, you know, the two of us sharing the, the, the award. And I go to those things. I mean, I I don't like socialising at the best of times. Yeah, so. you, you never really enjoy going <laughs> to those things. No, no, it's always been a chore. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've seen me go oh god oh do i have to do i have because well, what inevitably ends up happening because i work in kids tv yeah so i have to get dressed up and i end up sitting next to some always end up sitting next to some kids tv presenter right or nine times out of ten or some producer of some kids show and you run out of conversation Aww. um and you know it's like i don't know it's, it's, i end up the last one i went to oh no i ended up sitting on a table with it's Sam and Max. Is that a video game? I can't remember. Sam and Sam and someone and their wives. Mm. They were perfectly nice 
people. Yeah. You know, and it was fine. We were able to chat. But, and then the previous one, I was sat next to some really young girl who was like played a pirate on some CBeebies preschool show. <laughs> it's like cool. no conversation, nothing in common. You know, so it was like all you end up doing is making small talk about the food that's in front of you. At least you get food. <sighs> you get food, but it's never enough for me. You know that. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Your main complaint. <laughs> it's not enough food. Not enough food. <laughs> And then, then there's like the whole bit after the kind of, you know, people mill around and you go, oh, are you, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. What are you working on? What are you working on? What are you working on? And it's just, they're just horrible. Uh, and then you find an excuse to leave. Normally what I, they're like, oh, you can't, are you sticking around for the, the after party? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll see you there. I'm just going to go to the loo. And then I like, run out. <laughs> I'd like, I've done that at least twice. Um, uh... Anyway, but... I have seen people react as if they've been punched in the face to look, to not winning, you know, no. to getting nominated, but not actually winning an award. Oh. I have seen people almost like flip over a table because they're so angry really? they've never, they what? didn't win the award. They get angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's baffling. I'm going to mouth a name at you. Yeah, him. What? Uh, yeah. No way. Yeah, he stormed off. Um, and but it's not. A, it's not real life. It's not even like. And I know a real measure of success. And I know another executive producer who didn't win one year. Mm. And the person who did win mm. uh, came up to him holding her BAFTA afterwards. <laughs> right. Her BAFTA afterwards. Oh dear. And said to him, "I'm really sorry you didn't win." And he went, he apparently said to her, "Why don't you fuck off?" <gasps> this is Kid Stephen. Oh my god. <laughs> He's told me that story directly. He's not proud of it. Wait, who was that? Oh, that's believable. (laughs) (laughs) I can so see him doing that. Why do I find that? And then he walked away. Brilliant. That's there. That that's yeah. That's him. Entirely arbitrary award that. Anyway, what oh. was how did I get onto that? Yeah, so that, that so, but clearly for those people, in some of those instances, I've kind of gone. Well, they've got nothing else going on in their life. Or they well, cl- not necessarily that. It's just like that is their whole life. life. That is yeah. their identity. Exactly. That is who that they are. That was where are. I was going with it. That so that becomes who they are. So they take that as a profound rejection of their identity. Yeah, which is like it's always struck me with you because you've never. You never have had that, like, oh, I'm a writer, I'm a writer. God. You never, you don't ever say that. You're just kind of like, it's something that I do. It's not who I am. I might be more successful if I cared a bit more. <laughs> you have been pretty successful. This entire week I've been thinking I should be writing stuff. That's what writers do. But it's like, I'd rather just but, be okay, okay, so, <laughs> doing my podcast. Okay, something else <laughs> yeah. that you can't help, that you just have... Because I know there's a lot of writers that are like, I have to write every day. It's oh. just like, if I don't write, I don't exist. You're not like that. But you are creative and you have to create every day. But That's you don't great. tell everyone, like, I have to create every day or I don't exist. You just do it. You're not constantly yeah. telling everyone that you're a creator. That's what I find with, with certain... It's not your whole identity. You're a first and foremost a person... You're a person. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. You're yourself. And then you love to create and you love to write. Yeah. But it's not who you are. No. I love to exercise. It's not who I am. Well, I mean, I don't exercise that much. Don't get the wrong idea. But I do love it when I do it. But I'm not like, I'm an athlete. 
Yeah. Well, I'm really but not. But you get people, I know loads of writers who, you know, will describe themselves, I'm a writer, like first and foremost, before anything else. Yeah. And, you know, I read these, these you know, how to be a writer things, and it's like, you know, you have to write every day. Fuck off, do you? No, you don't. <laughs> Well, I mean, no, right, you, you can. Yeah. If that's something that you feel called to yeah, do, but, but do it. but these things tell do you it. you have to. But it's not who you are. No, You're these, a person I, first. I hate all those, those things, write every day, make sure you're always reading and all this kind of stuff. And the, the, because they're written by these people who see writing as an identity, that, that see writing as, oh God, something almost spiritual, which maybe it is for and some And it can people, be. But I've met too many that I kind of know, oh, you're wanker up yourself. Mm. I've met far too many to kind of go, no, you love being able to tell people Wait, you're a writer a bit too much. Is this our equivalent of H writing the <laughs> lyrics? I think it is, yeah, yeah, we're doing it. Oh my well, no, God. Well, no, hang on. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're Although... not punching up. <laughs> <laughs> we're not really punching sideways. We're just, pun- we're just punching. Punching, just, just randomly. Spinning around yeah. and punching. Randomly lashing out. <laughs> Feeling around. Fists and feet. At anyone, yeah. whoever's there. Our barbed tongues. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you've got an identity. Right. Oh, you love doing that, do you? <laughs> Loser. <laughs> you enjoy that thing, do you? It's you do. Not, but it's not about that. If you enjoy that thing, you love writing, you write your heart out. Like, go yeah. for it. Don't go around telling everyone. <laughs> like, it doesn't mean that's all you are. That's Ooh. the sum of Ooh, your you've identity. you've got a special shed in the garden, have you, that you write in? It's got all your special things in there, all you're surrounded by. You know. <laughs> oh, you've got a pad of paper, have you, with a with a pencil. Oh, you've got a special little pencil sharpener attached to the side of the desk. Oh, you can jot down. Your, oh, you've got a little moleskin notebook that you take hey, around with hey, you that you can write all your ideas down in. You're such a writer. Don't knock Moleskine notebooks because they're really cool. Wow. (laughs) I need to calm down. (laughs) I mean, on the other hand, because like, I I just, um, I cannot just see one side of the story. On the other hand, if you you want to have it as your whole identity because you feel better that way, then fine, do it. Go right ahead. Yeah, but don't. If that's don't, how yeah, that's, you enjoy that is, life, that is saying fine. like I am yeah. an artist, I am that a writer. Happy, that's, that's okay. Great. But also, don't be uh, uh, surprised if you come across as a twat, or if someone doesn't like what you've written. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they hate you. No, just makes you not very good. It's not. It's not who you are. <laughs> just means you're rubbish at <laughs> no, it. No, not necessarily. <laughs> They just might not like that one thing. But it's got it's not about you. Don't take it personally. Who are we talking to? I don't even know. We're just ranting. Yeah. Oh. I don't I don't even know if you should leave all this in the podcast. No, I am. It's great. Let's uh let's talk about the light at the end of the tunnel tour. Let's so, do it. Uh here be spoilers, everyone. If you haven't been, uh we're going to and I'll I'll tell you exactly when we start mentioning songs. Okay. Um but we can talk a little bit about how they chose the set list because we've had we had spies at the first one. Yes, we did. We had a couple of spies. Thank our friends, you, Mark boys. Wish we'd gone, but we've we've been around. Yeah, there. it sounded really cool. Um, and they were very kind to send us snippets of photos. Yeah, just photos, didn't they? They didn't film anything. They were very kind to. <laughs> okay. And they were very kind to share their... <laughs> just, let's start again. And they yeah. were very kind to share didn't, their opinion of the videos. night. We didn't get any videos. 
Okay, I'm trying not to say that so you I'm, can edit that bit to out. To say what I said, we didn't get I'm any videos. I literally said they didn't send. Out. I said they didn't send us any videos. But you didn't even have to mention that. I, I was just trying to say they were very kind to share their opinion of the night with us. Yeah. And we're very grateful for that. Anyway, uh, so apparently, what the band have done, they sat around in a circle and tried to decide what their best songs were. They are at the shows so far. We're recording this on Friday the 19th. So what, they played four shows so far? They've played... Uh, no, they've played more than that, have they? They've played Hull on the 14th, uh, Edinburgh on the 15th, Cardiff on the 17th, uh, Manchester on the 18th, and they're having tonight off. Then tomorrow they're in Cambridge. Wow, they've really travelled around the country. Yeah. Edinburgh to Cardiff, that's a quite a journey yes yes well, they've got a big bus haven't they they go on they do uh yeah so we're at london if you see us there it, uh you might not know what we look like but, uh <laughs> come and say hello <laughs> we'll be there oh, with our i'm friend shy Mark. though and you're not i am you're not i'm gonna be wearing my Biampod. Sweatshirt. I'm not. I'm going to be incognito i'm gonna wear my well you'll be with me so everyone will know <laughs> no, it could be anyone <laughs> no i might not wear it It'd be cold anyway. Yeah, it's going to be freezing. Uh, but but yeah, but do come and say hello if you do know what we look like. <laughs> it's possible that you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be there on the Friday and the Saturday. One of those nights, I'll probably be drunk. Saturday. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. You you get to decide, but you decide. I'd rather be feeling good on saturday well the saturday so on yeah friday. the saturday is, is of course is the night that's being live streamed so we can watch that afterwards if we, <laughs> <laughs> if we can't remember but we'll do it. next week's episode will probably be out late because we're going to do a full Recap. review of the two london so shows. we can't get drunk because we need to remember the show like i say second one's being live streamed so. <laughs> 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 oh i've thought about it don't you worry oh you've really thought it through so uh Go away if you don't want to hear what they're yeah, playing. Yeah, spoiler alert. Go away. Go away now. Um, you can come back at the end in the last five minutes or something, but the rest of the podcast will be discussing the set lists. So, uh, what they've been opening with every night is a very unusual choice. They they said it was an unusual choice, and it's remained as the opener throughout the dates that they've played so far, so presumably it's working well, and that is Sounds That Can't Be Made. Nice. Great song. Nice. Definitely not one I'd have chosen as an opener. I would. Really? Yeah, love those first chords. Love it. Love it. Like, I hear that and it just, like, oh, lifts my spirits. But what's strange about it is it normally an opener kind of has a bit of a slow build or a slower atmospheric intro while they all kind of come out on stage. Mm. That, they've all got to be on stage before it begins. It's fine with me. Yeah, okay. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I know. It's great. It's one of my favourite Marillion songs. So, yeah. Uh, and then they uh, seem to be playing uh, as a second track, and this is a very unusual placing in the set list, King, as track two. Oh, because well, it usually ends, it's Normally usually ends at the end? Set, yeah. Ah. Strange place to I wonder put it. what inspired them to put it second. Maybe they wanted to keep that energy high? Yeah. Uh don't know. I, I guess it depends I can't what follows imagine King. how it is there. I'm, I'm happy for it there. Yeah, get uh, it out of the way. I hate to say it, but that was my feeling, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 
<laughs> that was absolutely what I thought. Good. Okay. Well, I might actually sit through an entire version of, of King live. Yeah. Because because uh, it's so early in the set. <laughs> yeah, it's too early to go to the loo. Yeah. Uh, not that I dislike King. No, it's but all by right. God, it's been overplayed. Uh, but it's been overplayed as a as a closer, so we'll see. Um, now then, the third track is uh, they stick with "Afraid of Sunlight" the album. Mm. The first two nights they play "Beautiful." Nice. And the second two nights, "Afraid of Sunlight." Ah, I wonder if we're going to both nights whether we'll get both. I suspect we will. Nice. Yeah. Well, I like both, so yep, that's both, good. Good, uh, good going so far. Beautiful. I mean, I love "Afraid of Sunlight." anyway it's one of their best songs without question but beautiful is a song that i think works better live than on the album oh interesting i've always thought beautiful i've had a few gigs where i've kind of gone one my favorite track was beautiful that night which surprises me yeah um, it works really well with h's voice live because yeah. his voice kind of it, it it goes around the venue and kind of embraces you yeah yeah so the next track uh, and what is interesting, by the way, about this set, this is what isn't in it. Because I can't Well, believe... there's a lot not in it. Well, I know, but in terms of their, fit. supposedly it's their, what they thought were their best songs. Uh, there's no Invisible Man, but then that might have been because it's overplayed. There's no This Strange Engine, but that has been severely overplayed. Mm. There's... I mean, yet, they've still got a whole week to go. You don't know. They yeah, might, yeah. They might well, we'll add see these what songs we get in as well at the end of the. You know, yeah. when they're doing two nights in the same place, which they do tend to mix up the set list for those. Mm. Uh, I suspect what's going to happen is we'll get everything over the two nights. Yeah, yeah. Probably, I hope so, at least. Yeah. So anyway, so the next track, um, it, it's they've played these in. It's one of two songs that they played. They swapped around on various nights. Uh, it's either you're gone. Mm-hmm. Followed by, and here's where Sanya checks out the party. <laughs> oh, Ooh, toilet break time! Really? But it's for me. Oh, such... how do you go to the loo if it's a seated gig? You can't. Well, you can you because do. we're near the end of a row, so you're all right. Okay. I, I knew what we were doing. I was doing. I knew what I was doing. Why you, you planned not? ahead? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm really pleased about that. Sorry, I, I. It's not just that I kind of like it as a song, but I think it's so it's such a it's a relative rarity. I mean, I might see it through it just out of curiosity. It's those ones that I think are interesting to see what it's like live. Yeah, you should. So purely for that reason, I'm going to try not to have toilet breaks. Don't have a toilet break in that. I'll try have, not to unless have I have really, a toilet really break and you're go. gone. You've heard that live. Loads. I love you're gone. Yeah, well, me too. But anyway. Um, Right, so after one of those two, we get what tends to be Bridge into nice. Living with the Big Lie. Nice. Nice. And I've said it before, but the live version of Living with the Big Lie, I just think, kicks ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, um, followed by another brave track, Runaway. Mm. Again, another one that uh, doesn't always get an outing. It is an interesting choice that they would consider that one of their best. Mm. Mm. So far, mm. a lot of early H era really? songs. I suppose, yeah. Sounds that can't be made. And sounds that can't be made, yes. 
Well, after Runaway, it's a very late era H song. Mm. Be hard on yourself. Oh, there it is. There it is. Well, uh, I can't wait to hear that can't live. Can't wait to hear that live. And that is followed by a very early H era song, Berlin. They've done that. Oh, yeah. Done that in that order at every show, followed by, in the same order, the release. Nice. nice. Release the release. Release the release. Followed by Neverland. Now, what's why you, you didn't say anything to that? Oh, I, I thought you were going to speak. I didn't want to interrupt you. What was the first? I'm actually looking forward to Neverland because it is a great song, uh, and it did. I did feel it was overplayed. But mm. as I've said with this tour, they could play anything, and I wouldn't care if they came out and did Drilling Holes, Holidays in Eden, Most Toys. I'd be happy. I really would because it's would been you so know? long. I would actually. Okay, we'll yeah. say I'll send an email to them and say, please, and also, <laughs> please play Holidays in Eden, Drilling okay, Holes. Okay, no, don't, don't. <laughs> like they're gonna listen to you. Don't. <laughs> Um, so that that I believe closes the first set, right? Because Neverland has to end a uh, a set. Now, last night they changed the encore order, but the previous nights they've been playing as the first encore the whole of the Levers. Which, oh wow! Which I'm very happy about. The whole of the Levers at, as the whole encore. Yeah. Nice, okay. So we get, you know, 20 odd minutes of, of the leavers. Of the leavers. Followed by another song that can only really close a set, which is One Tonight, you know, which is the Oh, nice yes. Part. And I wonder yeah. if that's where we're going to get confetti on the final oh, night of the tour. Oh, that, yeah, you know what? That sounds quite likely. Or are we going to get it? No, that's. For the a... second encore. On the, on the last night? Yeah. That's got to end the Because whole... they ended the show with the leavers um, last night. Without one tonight at the end. No, with one tonight. Oh, yeah. That has to end their tour, surely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the second, uh, the second encore uh, on the first night was Garden Party. Nice. Interesting. Uh, They consider it one of their best. Uh, On the second night of the tour, it was Easter and Heart of Lothian because they were in Scotland. Ah, Okay. Um. On the third night in Wales, uh, they did Easter and Made Again, which is interesting. Mm. I'm okay. happy to hear Yeah, Made no, Again. that's nice. That's a nice ending. Yep. And then on the 18th, uh, they did Splintering Heart and Made Again as the first encore. And that's it? Or... Well, and then the Leavers as the second Oh, and encore. then the Leavers as the second one. Oh, interesting. I have to say, I find it a really... And I genuinely mean it as an interesting, not as in a interesting, interesting Mm. set list because it's a real mix of eras. It's I think it's got some Mm. obviously some longer stuff, some real surprises. I didn't expect Berlin the party. No, uh, did I? Oh, okay, dear. Get over yourself. (laughs) I might I might walk out of that gig saying, you know what? I've changed my mind. I love the party. Yeah, you might. by I first way, heard the party. Welcome I- to your first liking of the party. Uh, very good. I first heard the party live. Maybe that's why you like it more than me. I did think it was really good, but the first time, very first time I ever heard it at a gig, I played that and no one can. Mm. And I thought, oh, they're good. <laughs> um, yeah, I like no one can. Yeah. So I, I just think they've. Cho- it's a really good set list considering. 
I mean, it's interesting. That, I keep saying interesting that they think that's you know it's a selection of their best stuff. Mm. I mean, they can't be all their best stuff. Um, well, it's but, impossible because of how much stuff they've got. Yeah, but there's some less obvious choices in there, and that that's what I like about it. Nothing and from marbles. You're gone. Oh, you're gone. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but again, Marbles is, as an album has probably been, well, I guess I overplayed, but then, you know, oh, I don't know, would have been great to get um, The Unforgivable Thing or Angelina's mm. a song that we don't hear mm. played often enough. And I actually always thought that worked quite well live. But we'll talk about Marbles in the new year, Sweet. I suspect. Yeah, the but way, the way the things way are going. going. <laughs> uh, but I'm really, really looking forward to next week. And I... Um, I don't care about spoilers. I, it gets me more excited. Seeing that set list, it gets me more excited because because it doesn't feel... It, not only does it feel like, oh, it's been a couple of years since I've seen them live. Not only that, but it also feels like they're not repeating much from the last tour, the Friends from the Orchestra tour. It feels like they've mixed oh, up the set maybe list. that's part of their... Uh, choosing procedure yeah i think it is i think they've they've probably gone like oh let's all say what we think our best stuff is plus let's not but not stuff we played in the last tour yeah yeah i mean it's a shame that king's in there no stop grumbling i'm not gonna oh i'm so bored of it you just said you wouldn't mind if they played drilling holes or most toys and now you're complaining about king a song that you actually like uh, well, most toys is two minutes, right? And they never ever play it. So yeah, I'm not bored of that. It's 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 a it's diabolical. It's it's like probably their worst song. But by the same token, it's two you minutes. You watch; it's going to be the final encore and the final night, and then the confetti. And instead of confetti, loads of little toys come out of the cannon. <laughs> Kinder egg toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People getting blinded and choking to death. <laughs> you, who, you who die with the most toys. I choked to death on a friction-powered Kinder Egg toy car. <laughs> At my gig. That'd be way to go. All right, hey, that's enough for this week. We've been all over the place, haven't we? We've my been around goodness. the houses and back. Have we ever? But that was what this week was going to be. Uh... Next week, as I say, we'll probably be up a little late because we're going to do our review of the gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bear with us. Might not be up till Tuesday. We'll see what time we get our butts into gear after our hangovers have cleared up. Uh, and then the week after, maybe we'll finally talk about Transatlantic, but no promises. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then we want to talk about the first Meridian weekend as well. Yes, we do. Which we've asked my friend Sebastian to talk to us for because he was at that first Marillion weekend with me. That's right. It was just the two of us. And he's coming to see Marillion on the... uh... (gasps) So maybe he can add his opinion as well. Yeah, it's the first time we've seen them probably in about 15 years. So long. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be interesting as well. All right. Okay, everyone. Uh, If you want to support us and, um, you know, help pay for our massive heating... Uh, hate, hate repair bill. <laughs> you can support us on Patreon www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. Uh, there's loads of other stuff on there, all sorts that you probably won't be interested in, but that's fine. Uh, and we'll be back next week with our review of The Light at the End of the Tunnel tour finale. We will. You got anything more to say? See you then. Just see you then, folks. See you then, folks. 
See you at the gig. Don't forget to say hello to us if you see us. I mean, if you... Ten points to you if you... Find us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And 20 points to you if you say you like our podcast. (laughs) No, a thousand million points to you if you say you like our podcast. No, but that's bribing them. With points. With invisible points that don't exist. That's fine. They can have the points anyway. Just to get the points. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, you're not choosy, are you? No. Bye. Bye. Bye.